I'm speaking about the area of Exodus chapter 32. Moses is 40 days, 40 nights with God without eating, no drinking water. God, he's with God. If you ever think about it, you don't have to eat or drink water only because God said you have to. You, God can make it where you don't have to eat or drink. That sure saved a lot of time. And he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. He was in the presence of God. What did they do for 40 days? I don't know. He was in the presence of God for 40 days. Came down with two tablets written by the finger of God. These tablets were written on both sides by the finger of God. It was the Ten Commandments. And he came down the mountain because God said that something's going on in the camp. Moses thought it was a, it was the sound of war. And he said, it's not the sound of war. And God knew what it was, of course, sent him down. And Moses saw them having some sort of, uh, I suppose we would call it an orgy, probably in our verbiage. It was wicked. They were naked and having some sort of a party, massive party. They brought a couple rock bands in. And they were dancing having a big old time, drinking, dancing. And the Bible says they were naked. It was immoral, wicked. And Moses, when he saw it, it just it stunned him. Having been in the presence of God for 40 days, 40 nights, then all of a sudden being exposed to it. These people who had come out of Egypt, seen the greatest miracles ever done on planet Earth. And they fell away from that like nothing. And said, I guess God's left us alone here, so we'll make us a calf, make us, tell us, Aaron making some gods. And, he, and, and Moses said to Aaron, what did they do to you that would cause you to do this? And I don't, in another place in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible says that God was going to kill Aaron for doing that, which I would think would be notable. And Moses prayed for Aaron and saved his life. Moses had sway with God like very few men have ever had, maybe no men have ever had. And so he prayed for them, and God had mercy on them. However, before the mercy came some judgment, and verse 26 is where we're going to pick up. And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, this is famous among Bible believers, who is on the Lord's side, let him come to me. Who was on the Lord's side? There was music about that, poetry about that. All sons of Levi gathered themselves together. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out of the gate, from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. The children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell on the people that day 3,000 men. Because with leadership comes responsibility and accountability. So he slew the men. The men, had the, the men could have stopped it. The men could have started the men. And so they slew 3,000. That was part of the judgment of God on that. God has standards for your behavior and my behavior as born-again Christians, especially, especially born-again believers. We have standards. These were the people of God. These were the people of God. And the, the title of the message is Lines, L-I-N-E-S, Lines, Lines. A standard is somewhat of a line in the sand. You know what I mean by line in the sand? You know, like you take, okay, don't go further than this right here. 
God has standards for you and I to behave. Uh, I believe Nick quoted 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All is in the world. Uh, lust of flesh, lust of eyes, and pride of life. Not of the Father, but they're not of the Father. They're standards that we need to stay away from, especially as born-again believers. That God has set for us to stay away from evil. What are the function? Function. When I say lines, I mean standards, rules. What are the standards of line? What, what's the what's the function of lines? Well, lines separate, lines define, lines clarify, lines establish consistency, and lines create order. You say. Well, I say to you tonight, what could you do without, what would, what would we do without standards, without lines, without rules? How could you play basketball without lines? I mean, how would you shoot free throws without a line? Or determine in and out of bounds? Or determine the place to do jump ball? Or determine how far uh, the men are to stay back uh, from the line while, while there's a free throw going on? Those are all by lines. I know I personally with Chris and some others, line the uh, gymnasium. What a job that is to line the gymnasium. We put the original lines on the gymnasium and laid that thing out. <clears throat> and it took us a day, a full day, to do it, to make it, to make it right. And there was, a lot, there was a lot of lines involved in basketball. Wow. Then we lined the volleyball court. There's a lot of lines involved in volleyball. How could you play soccer? We've lined... And uh, Brother Thomas has lined a soccer field over and over again, a football field. Out of bounds, you have to have a line. Penalty kicks, you have to have a line. Goalie box, you have to have lines defining that. Corner kicks, you have to have a line defining where the corner kicks to be done. You basically couldn't have basketball without lines, rules, standards. You couldn't have soccer without lines, rules, or standards. You couldn't play football without lines, rules, or standards. You couldn't play tennis without lines, rules, or standards. You couldn't play golf without lines, rules, or standard. You couldn't play baseball without lines, rules, or standard. You can't have a, a sporting event. If you decided not to have lines or rules, it would ruin the game. And these games that our nation so loves to watch, and nobody would want to play if there were no rules or no lines or no standards. And so lines are standards that are, that are established. Lines are restrictions that are established. Lines give liberty to operate under known limitation, limits. Lines give peace of mind and stability. Rules are not bad things. They're good things. Standards are not bad things. They're good things. It gives peace. It gives predictability. The definition of insanity is unpredictability. When somebody comes around you and you don't know if they're going to kill you, you don't know what they're going to kiss you, kill you, don't know what's going to happen, that makes you nervous. That makes you want to get away from them. You know, you're like, this guy's crazy. That's what they'll say. This guy's crazy. What would our parking lot be without lines? I have lined, personally lined the parking lot three, four times. We put a basketball court out on the parking lot for a while. I, I lined that, helped line that. Um, we lined a Wana circle for a, long, a lot of years. Brother Wiley and I lined a Wana circle over and over again. Put lines out there. You got to have lines. You got to have definitions. Don't go this far or you're out of bounds. 
or you can't play sports. You can't do anything. You got to have, and you folks surely could not park if you didn't have lines, and even with lines. There's a group of people that say they're Christian that would erase all the lines and all the standards and all the rules. There's a church in town called Church Without Walls. That's a double-meaning statement. They actually do meet outside, but they also mean church without standards, church without lines. You can't be a biblical church without some standards and without some lines. And the Bible defines those lines and defines those standards for us, and we go by that. We go by the Bible. This group of people that would eliminate the rules and eliminate the standards and eliminate the lines are enemies of all stability and order. They're enemies of peace. They're enemies of sanity if I may say, enemies of efficiency. And most of all, they're enemies of the cross. Take your Bibles, if you would, to turn to Philippians. I'm a, I, don't do, I don't do a lot of turn, uh, but I will tonight. I'm going to do it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 16, 17. Chapter 3, verse 16, 17. And then it may be 18 also. Chapter 3, Philippians says, uh, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. There's that word rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, of, so as you have had us for an example. For many of whom I have told you often, now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glories are shame, who mind earthly things. These are people who don't want rules, people who want to, and by the way, there were people back then, there are people today, and there'll be people in the future like that. Call themselves Christian and say, we don't need any kind of standards. We don't need any kind of moral standard. We don't need any kind of uh, dress standards. We don't need any kind of hair standards. We don't, men can, Dress any way they want to do. Well, I can tell you if you read Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 5, it says, men shall not put on that which pertaineth unto a woman. And everybody said, this transgender thing's old. It's an old demon. Old demon. Been around a long time. Been around, plagued the nations. In fact, the seven nations, if you go read the Pentateuch, the seven nations that God threw out, of the promised land and gave them to the children of Israel were doing everything that you see going around us today and more. They were into necromancy. They were into witchcraft. They were into all kinds. There's a whole list of things they were into. Deuteronomy chapter 18, you can read that. And God said, if he's, and he brought them in, he's, and he told these people, he said, I, I'm not putting you into this land because you're more righteous. I'm putting, I'm putting you into them. He says, I'm not going to put you into this land because of your righteousness. He said, I'm going to put you into the land because of their wickedness. I'm going to use you to judge them and take them out because of their wickedness. God only, only puts up with so much. He has standards. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus was in total submission. 
Now, I think everybody as a born-again Christian would say Christ is our greatest example, right? I mean, Paul said, follow me. The word imitate me is what he means by that. Imitate me. And that was a strong word. That was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, imitate me. Follow me. Do what I do. Watch me. My dad, when I went to summer camp with him every summer, mud camp, he'd say, this is the way you make cement. And he'd show me. This is the way you put formica on a countertop. And he showed me. This is the way you spread the contact cement. And he showed me. This is the way you grind asbestos. We, we used to grind asbestos so the room was white with smoke of asbestos. And so far, he, he never died of lung problems, and I haven't had any either. I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging because that could happen any time. But nevertheless, I, I somehow don't think asbestos is as dangerous as they make it out to be. But nevertheless, that's free, by the way. But uh, Christ was in total submission to the will of God. He gave up all his rights. He gave up everything to do the will of God, even in the most, as I mentioned this morning, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was sweating, as it were, blood, drops of blood, capillaries on the surface of his skin were breaking. He was under so much pressure. I bet his blood pressure was out of this world, guy. Because he was going to become sin for us. Now, when he saves us out of sin, it makes sense to me that we would want to follow his example about staying away from sin. Does that make sense to you? I think in the New Testament there's about 49 sins mentioned specifically. There may be a few more than that, but I know there's at least 49 sins mentioned. And those are standards. Those are rules that God says, don't do these things. Stay away from these things. And, 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 and you say, and, and if I may say that, by the way, this is a forbidden sin. Gluttony is mentioned in the Bible. Gluttony is a sin. quiet. This could be my last Sunday. So where are some lines in the Bible? Well, we go to the Old Testament, we see lines all over the place. We see the 613 commandments of the, of the Pentateuch, which are shaken down to 10 commandments, which those 10 commandments summarize basically uh, the spirit of the 613 specific commandments given to the children of Israel. And then there were two commandments to summarize the Ten Commandments, which summarize the 613 commandments, or the spirit, at least, of the 613 commandments. Uh, they were to love, the, the two were to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength. And the second was to love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, if you do that, you fulfill all the Ten Commandments, you fulfill all the 613 commandments, because those commandments really were about not hurting other people. And it was about loving God. Now, we as New Testament believers are not under those commandments. We're under actually a, you're going to maybe find this a little bit hard, but we're under a little more strict system than they were. If they obeyed, they just externally obeyed. Their heart didn't have to be in it. They could just do what the commandment said, but they didn't have to have their heart in it. But that's not the way we are in the New Testament. In fact, it says of the law, a lot of people are mean about the law. They say, oh, that law, that was... A, as if God did something bad to those folks. He didn't do anything bad to those people by giving them the law. No, no, no. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, wherefore the law is holy, the commandment holy and just and good. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. They couldn't keep it. and They were given a sacrificial system uh, so that they could have for, uh, a temporary, if I may say temporary forgiveness until Christ came, the Lamb, 
which represented all the lambs that they, they shed on the blood of, and once for all shed his blood for anybody that had sinned from Adam to the last believer who believed. And in fact, even for those who don't believe, he shed his blood for the whole world. It says in Timothy, especially them that believe. I believe that's 1 Timothy 4.10. And so the law was not a bad thing, but we're, no, we're, we're not under the external set of commandments. We've actually graduated from high school and entered into the God's college under the age of grace. Now we have a law which has been written in our hearts. Jeremiah 31 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, that after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. In Jeremiah 32, 40, it says, And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them to do them good, and I will put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart from me. You see, what was intended for the children of Israel by their Messiah is received by us in the age of grace. The Bible says in John 1, 1, 1, 11, he came into his own, and his own received him not. So what happened? He turned unto us. Acts chapter 28, 28 says, Be it known therefore unto you that salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, that's us, that they and they will hear it. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says about the law, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And let's go back to Exodus chapter 32 and Moses. Moses stood at the gate in the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? He drew a line in the sand. Who's on the Lord's side? The sign for those who believe in the Bible and the love of God and want to obey God to rally around the things of God. Who's on the Lord's side? He says, Come over here. Lines define the good and the bad and make it plain. This group today that is smudging those lines and causing are causing great confusion. And I speak about your many of your mega churches, and I speak about your rock and roll churches, where they brought the world's music in and put Christian words to it, Bible words to this ungodly music. And you say, is there ungodly music? Of course there is. There's good music and bad music. In fact, there's no gray area with God. Everything has to be judged either being good or bad. There is no gray area in the Bible. You look it up. It's either good or bad. You're going to be judged for the things done in your body, whether they be good or bad. There's bad music. There's good music. Don't ever, don't ever fall for the story that the line that they say, "All oh, music preacher, that's just amoral." I mean, you've got people who like this music, and I get that. There's there's wiggle room in music. There's music you may not like how firm a foundation, or you may like the old rugged cross. You you, you may you may not like quartet music, but you may like a, a violin. Instrumentals. We can have differences in the way we prefer things as their preferences, but convictions I'm talking about. Things that would displease God we need to stay away from. He says, I like where uh, Elijah and Ahab in 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah came unto the people and said, how long shall you halt between two opinions? He said the same thing. He drew a line in the sand. He said, if God, if the Lord be God, Jehovah be God, follow him. 
But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They were quiet. Why? They'd been following Baal. No one can serve two masters. You're going to decide between one or the other. You can say, I, I can do both. Well, I've known a lot of people try to live in the world, act like the world, look like the world, talk like the world, be like the world, and yet at the same token come to church and want to be like God's people and will play both play the game. It doesn't work. No man can serve two masters. For either he'll, hate, he'll either hate the one or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You got to make your choice. Who is on the throne of your heart, as I mentioned this morning? The Bible says a double-minded man gets nothing from God. James 1, 6, let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven and of the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When I was a young teenager, I was trying to play the game of, of living for the world and trying to be a Christian. And My mother used to come to me all the time. She said, Billy, you can't have your foot on one side. You've got to choose which side of the fence you're going to be on. You've got to choose where you're going to go, what you're going to be. You're going to have to make a choice because you can't have your... You can't have a foot in the world and foot in the things of God, and you'll be the most miserable person on planet Earth, which I was at that time. The Bible says it's clear that God is sick of people who are trying to live in the world and live for him. You can't do it. You've got to live for God or live in the world. He says it this way. Romans, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. What a statement that is. He said, I would that you'd make your mind up. You're going to be over here in the world, listening to the Led Zeppelin, Highway to Heaven, Stairway to Heaven, or whatever it's called. You're going to listen to Mick Jagger. You're going to listen to, to, to rock and roll Christian music and all that. Be over there and do that. Be over there and do that. Stay over there and do that. Or you're going to be over here with the, with the things that please God, the hymns, the hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts unto God. We're going we're gonna to stay away from the, the vileness of the world. We're not going to set no wicked thing before our eyes, those kind of things. We're going to try to be separated from the things that displease God. He said, well, if you're going to do that, then be over here. Do that. He said, I want you hot over here, or I want you cold over here. But Christians oftentimes try to play the game of both worlds, and you're getting shot from both sides, and don't think that your prayers are going to get answered because they will not be answered because you're double-minded. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. People come to me regularly and say, God doesn't seem to answer my prayers. It doesn't take a whole lot of digging around to find out why. He says in Revelation 3.16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, this is a church of Laodicea, most of you know that, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's a kind phrase that's getting seasick. How many have ever been seasick in this room? Raise your hand. There's very few things on earth, on planet earth, will make you more miserable and want to die than to be seasick. Now, I've been a few times, I've been in the water a lot, but there have been a few times that I hit the water and I wasn't feeling good when I hit the water. Something was not right. And when I got on the water, my equilibrium got off and I got seasick. And I mean, once you get it, it's an all-day deal, you know. And the people you go, the people I go boat with, never would take you back home. They'll take your body back home, 
well, they ain't going to turn around because you're sick. We had, old, we had old Bob Rose with us, and Bob said, I never get sick. I've only thrown up four times in my life. I think he said three or four times. And I was, that was pretty amazing because he was in his 70s. Well, Bob, we asked him to come down to Key West with us and, and lobster with us. And, and so he said, yeah, I'll be glad to. So he drove all night. To stay awake, he, he drank a whole thermos of who knows how strong coffee old Bobby drank. Bobby drank some strong coffee. He drank a whole thermos of coffee, stayed awake, got there about 7 in the morning. We, we went and had a coffee con leche on top of all that, a carpoon Harry's. He ate some greasy eggs, some, some corned beef hash and toast and butter. And we went out on the boat that day and about, mm, about 8.30, 9 o'clock, we hear him out back. There's a special sound to trying to throw your toes up. I mean, it's deep. And Bobby, Jim and I were, you know, we're quite a bit younger than Bob, and, and we were worried about him dying. Well, I told Jim, what if he dies? What's Marilyn going to think? I said, if he dies, we can ice him. We never talked about coming in early. No, no, we never talked about coming in early. That wasn't on the table. We said, we could ice him in this chest. We had about a five foot, we had a big, we call it a coffin. And so we could ice him, put fish on top of him. And uh, bring him back, I suppose, at the end of the day. And we told him that. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, Bob, he said, don't, don't come in for me. And he was throwing up. He was throwing up. He was sick. Then he got where he couldn't throw up, but he was nauseous. You ever been that way? Been real nauseous, but you can't throw up, but you want to throw up? You didn't think you'd come to church I'd be talking about this, did you? <laughs> so I said, Bob, I got the cure for you. Well, when you're sick like that and somebody says they got the cure for you, you're going to take whatever it is. I said, I got the cure. He said, what? I said, you take these five tums. I counted out five tums about that thick. I said, you eat them five tums, I'll cure you. He said, let me have them. So he ate those five tubs. Pretty soon he's out the back. He's out the back throwing up, trying to throw his toes up. I mean, that boy is just just unbelievable, straining and just, and he gets all done, cleans himself up and comes back and goes, whoa, I feel a lot better. <laughs> he says, but I don't think I'm ever going to eat Tums again. Because there's that certain taste that you get when you do that. You never want to eat, eat again. Whatever you ate that day, you don't want to eat it again. And so, why did I say all that? That's the question. Because <laughs> I miss old Bob. You have standards. God wants us to have standards. He wants us to separate from evil, come out from among them. There's this little clip I sent around called Run, Church, Run. Some of you I sent it to, I sent it to a few dozen people. Run, Church, Run. I preached it the day after 911 in a church in Manhattan. And he preached it, it's called Run, Church, Run. It's a five minute, the part I sent you is five minutes. You need to listen to that. Come out from among them. You can say it this way. Run. Run. Church, run. Run. My brother and I were doing a job out of Fort Myers Beach, a motel, and we were spreading contacts, man, and we didn't realize the dryer was a gas dryer. And all of a sudden, the whole room became inflamed 
all the way to the ceiling, flames up, and and we were trying to get the we were trying to in the hallway they had an extinguisher, but something they had been somebody had been stealing them, so they had that thing where you couldn't get it out. We were trying everything we could to get it out. We couldn't get it out. Tore the thing off the wall, put it on the floor, trying to get it out. We're hitting it, busting it, trying to bust it up. We did eventually get it out, but I mean, man, the fire was just roaring. You could hear the roar of the fire. And there was a guy that came out of his room right beside where we were working. And he kept going up to us. And he goes, "Run, run!" And then he'd run back in his room, and he'd come back, and we had we were still there trying to get the extinguisher out of the box. He says, "Run, run!" And finally, we busted the extinguisher out of that metal case and. With one shot of the extinguisher at the base of that flame, boom, the fire went out. But there was black, thick smoke rolled down the whole hallway into the room. People were opening their doors. It was going into their rooms. After the thing was all over, I said to Jim, if he'd asked me to run one more time, I'd be out of there. But the Holy Spirit is telling you and I, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. And I'll receive you. I'll be a God to you, and you'll be my son. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 7, 1. Run from the things that the world offers you. Run from wicked YouTubes. Run from wicked Facebook. Some of some of the things on Facebook that's wicked, not the whole Facebook. Run from movies and TVs that are that don't honor God. Run from following the world with nose rings and hog rings and tattoos. Stay away from that stuff. Now, if you already got them, okay. If you got them, okay. But as a Christian, don't do them. Don't follow them. They're on their way to hell. Those people are, those people are on their way to hell without Christ, without hope, without God in the world. We're to be, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. He said the same thing to the children of Israel. He said the same thing to us. Come out. There are standards. There are lines. I have lines and standards by which you're to behave so that, really so that you're blessed, so that you have peace. You understand this is for your sanctification. This is for your peace. This is for your benefit. That God has put standards in the in the Word of God. Make a commitment to walk in the way of the Lord. If God reveals something to you is wrong, you don't have to have a big long discussion on all these reasons why it's wrong. If God says it's wrong, or if it displeases God, just turn away from it. And say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Hey, the Bible says to the children of Israel, He didn't want them to be tattooed. I figured that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. You can argue dispensationally all you want. You can get into the big theology of all that. You can say, well, that was their dispensation. That's not our and go. But you're, you're missing the whole point. If the God that made everything is the same, we serve the same God that, that made them and the same God that made the law, and, and, and which is, by the way, Christ. And if he didn't like that, oh, in that, I'm, not just, I'm just going to stay away from it. Especially when it's repeated in the New Testament. Especially when it's repeated in the New Testament. You have something repeated in the New Testament. People always want to come and say, well, well, the Old Testament says don't put a parapet. You're supposed to put a parapet around the top of your house so somebody doesn't fall out. Man, Morgan and Morgan says that. 
That's still good today. If you build a house where you walk around the top of the roof, put some sort of restraint so people don't fall off and kill themselves. That's in the law of Moses. That makes perfect sense. Why? That kid fall off there is going to own you. They'll own your house. That's Morgan and Morgan get a hold of them. May God help you. Father in heaven, we pray the Holy Spirit would take what I've said tonight, apply it as you see fit. We're not legalists. We don't believe we get righteous by, by, by keeping of, of laws, but because we're born from above and have the Holy Spirit and declared righteous, we live holy lives. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Father, help us. Keep us from the influence of the wickedness of this world. Help us to stand away from it. Because it's so easy, so easy for us to go back into it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.